podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. I'm here with Lord of Low Self-Esteem, Chris Prunty, and our continued special guest, Daniel Quinn. I can't believe I can sound so full of myself and so self-loathing all at once. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can co-own that that title together, Chris. I'll tell you that Aww. for sure. Anyway, on today's episode, we are in part two of our ongoing Land of a Thousand Mod series, where we are talking all things cyberpunk, thanks to a listener prompt from our friend Detlef. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the factions, well, some factions, conflicts, and technology in the cyberpunk world. On our last episode, we were talking about the Land of a Thousand Mods, a land where uh, corporations once ruled but now have crumbled back into uh, an odd clan system. Privacy is at a premium and essentially a commodity, and where DRM locks down access to technology, making the clan-based system even more important when trading proprietary tech. So, gentlemen, where do we want to start today? Um, I could do some conflict, since that was one of our main topics. Um, I'm down. Let's go ahead and hear it. Yeah, to piggyback off the whole DRM thing, which I'm still super psyched about. Um, so I'm thinking um, in terms of, of conflict, usually that has to do with greed and money. So I thought, well, for this, this you know, multiple mods reality, maybe um, instead of currency, there's these things called IP chits. And what they are is like, they're instead of like a dollar, you have a little chip that has a piece of the schematics for a piece of technology on it. And so say you want a coffee maker, you know, that has a certain value to people versus, I don't know, like the ability to say print out a, a shovel. So people are trading in these chits. They're literally trading in like intellectual property. Um, and to add on to that, um, that the, to, and to kind of like build on what Chris was talking about with the whole DRM situation, the world outside is roving with these like um, these these robotic DRM creatures that have the the IP in them. So people have to kind of go out there and get the IP out of them and mine them in that sense in order to keep um, their economy going. You, so you can make a living by going out into the climate change scarred wasteland and basically hunting down and scavenging robot parts. Yeah, and these these like these these AI, like they're probably like interlinked in some way. So you gotta go out there, kill one of them, get some information out of it, and then run like hell because it's gonna alert all the others since they're interlinked. And maybe like you know they have the the information you're kind of hacking in once you've broken this machine, you get a piece of piece of data out of it, like one of these IP chits, and, and run, and then that's all you get. Yeah, I actually don't want to skip over how cool the idea of an an IP chit is because like that replacing currency is so awesome because you're taking the broad theme of information being the most valuable commodity that's prevalent in cyberpunk and you're really uh, uh, you're doing what you always do which is making it a physical thing where data and information is now like basically the currency but it's a I like the idea that it's a fragment, like it's a fragment yeah. of technology that you can buy and sell. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't want that to be left over. I mean, come on, man. That's awesome. I mean, I think it's kind of scary when you're like, okay, I, I managed to get a freaking microwave out of this thing. Now, how much can I sell it? How much can I trade? What can I trade for this microwave schematic? Can I trade like a car? Like how much people need microwaves? You know, <laughs> that's the kind of question you can have. I also like the idea that's like, Man, everyone has the schematic for an axle. The axle is the cheap part. Yeah. It's the fan belt that you really need. The, you know, you got to spend the big chits on. You know, <laughs> exactly. Kind of hmm. 
Yeah. So what what so where's the conflict here exactly? Yeah, I think I think it's because so the people who have accumulated certain technologies, like you'll you, you either have a choice of going out into those wilds and risking getting another copy for yourself, or you know, do you steal it from another quote unquote clan or group, you know, who you know has it? Like which is less risky? So and then you have probably corporate espionage where people are like sneaking in and making copies of your chits, however they're traded. Um, so you've got like multiple economies and there's there's a scarcity in access to technology or at least understanding of how to reproduce technology. Can I just say okay. one thing? Yeah. If in this setting someone does not say I don't give a shit, uh, a shit, <laughs> I will be upset. <laughs> oh my God, that's that has to be the case. <laughs> that's the most dumbass dad joke I've ever... I love Every eight-year... No, no, you know what that is? That's a fucking twitch.tv gamer tag if I've ever heard You could say before. I you know like oh it's not worth yet. a chit. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I don't give two chits about this. Exactly. Oh let me god. let me tell you my two my two chits about this. You know like I got well, two chits I went, for you. I went from loving this to immediately hating all of it. <laughs> I'm glad I could bring you there. Ugh. All right. Um so I like the idea Again, I, I do appreciate the fact that you're taking that theme of uh, cyberpunk and, and the idea of information being really valuable and also creating it in a physical way. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, Chris, what did you have for a conflict? So uh, my first thought was kind of like the shadow runners. And then I realized like people working behind the scenes that would attack each other. And then I thought, oh, what if they did it out in the open? And I realized we've either done that or it's been done to death. But uh, I thought it would be neat to go back on the DRM kind of side of things and have uh, a new age of piracy of where there are like proprietary pirates of people who hunt down technology or hunt down uh, software and try and crack it and give it to the masses, which are taken away uh, things. So I wanted a faction of like new age pirates. Which, in a sense, would go back to cyberpunk's roots of the hacker culture. Oh, that's really cool. It's like prying it out of the because I assume like about a lot of the um, the really wealthy people have probably a lot of these IP shits, and so these this this group of hackers or this kind of hacker alliance, in a sense, is free, prying it out of the hands of those people, giving it back. Oh man. Yeah. Okay, hold on. I have a, my third conflict actually might be able to tie all three of these together. Nice. Um, okay. So, so my conflict is I, I wanted to have a little bit more focus on the climate change aspect of the, the world and like, what does, you know, be, because obviously cyberpunk has roots in, you know, like technology and humanity and the blending and the conflict between the two of them. Right. And, and how they kind of interplay and one thing that I wanted to to kind of bring to the forefront was like technology or, or rather uh, nature and civilization constantly at war with one another and humanity essentially trying to fight the effects of climate change as best they can. And by doing so, you get this kind of like roughneck storm fighting you know, like, okay, they're like going out there and they're basically cowboys. But what makes me think of all this, putting it together, Chris has what is essentially cyber pirates. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel has going out into the wastes and fighting robots. Why not have them all come together and have some kind of like the robot, 
oh my god <laughs> robots. robots i love it i love it <laughs> i'm 95 <laughs> you can, we can only say robots, like robots. On only robots yeah. don't say robot no 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 <laughs> so the robots that they're going out and these wastes that daniel are talking about let's make it so it's a matter of like just oceans of plastic or they're, they're, they're aquatic robots, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just a matter of you're going out into windswept deserts and stuff like that. They're literal pirates. Yeah. And that's where I was going. They're also literal pirates. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so we can bring all of these together where they're chase, they're, they're evading storms. And Mm -hmm. and obviously because climate change, they're mega storms. Now there's no such thing as a category one hurricane anymore. (laughs) So they're, they're dodging and fighting the effects of climate change. They are simultaneously like harvesting the original robots, which were supposed to solve the climate change problem to begin with. And that's how we bring it all together. They're facing like giant robot leviathans that were probably meant to like control storms or dig really deep in the ocean, but now they're out of control Living, and you've got to fight them. They're fighting living seawalls in some oh case. Oh my God. Can you fucking imagine that? That'd be so that. fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's Woo. Great. All right. I love that. And that, that obviously that was my conflict as well, where it's mm-hmm. like, climate change. but no that's that's awesome i, I love that it's oh, so much yeah. fun i can i could totally see like one of chris's you know cyber pirates and he's like this hardened like let's say like ex-computer hacker who really has no physical like real life skills but he knows how to break into a system so he's got together to get his crew together to get on a boat that they don't know how to really pilot <laughs> and get out into the actual ocean <laughs> and then learn how to get to the machine <laughs> oh man that's that's awesome dude how else can we add in? Oh, wait. And on top of this, now I'm thinking that when you talk about like entertainment and stuff like that, these guys are probably like, you know, these are the pirate radio people. These are the, oh, let's, let's tune into this channel and see what they're doing this time. Oh man. Are, Did are you, you see that guy? Streamers? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Because Is the internet like global still, or has it broken down? Oh, maybe, maybe that's a thing. Maybe they can like, when I was saying like pirate radio, it only gets to a certain number of people. And this is one of the few instances where physical media is the only way to actually watch their broadcasts. Yeah. I think it makes sense for like the, the satellites to not really be working. So the internet's kind of disparate, you know? Oh, wait, wait, uh, to go back in the fact that we were saying information was controlled, uh, to give the pirates more of a noble role. What if also they were giving out that information and so the reason they're out on the ocean is because of the uh the the dead spots the dead zones that uh the satellite and information can't travel so Mm. x doesn't know about y but they're doing it to make the world a smaller place again oh even if it's just for a moment yeah or it's kind of like international waters right where you get out far enough and you lose the signal a little bit yeah. So they're kind of like they're kind of like digging up the truth and then delivering it back. Since we we decided before, like the truth has been become so local in a sense. If they're crossing those boundaries, maybe they're delivering the truth outside their circles. Yeah, and I mean, like the traditional cyberpunk like heroes and anti heroes were all hackers and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? So it would make total sense that with the overflowing of the oceans and everything like that, the natural you know, kind of evolution of that is pirate. And I mean that in a literal and physical sense, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Nice. Can't yeah. What'd you say? Can't stop the single. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can think... even see like fortresses where really wealthy entities or individuals have built themselves against the ocean and the elements, and they're kind of hiding away in there and, and hoarding the, either the information that they need, you know, to survive. And that's what those pirates are after, too. Oh, absolutely. Whew, all right. I'm, I'm fucking down with all of this. Let's go, baby. Uh, one of the things that I liked about technology in a lot of uh, futuristic games is the different scale of how they'll do. This is the bleeding edge of technology. This is the uh, basic technology that people have. And I think that's good going back to the bits that maybe there's also an economy there where there's bits from this, bits from that. Like you can get an axle, but it's an axle to something from like 30 years ago, as opposed oh. to, oh, I have uh, the new Tesla axle. So, you know, you want this over that. So like, so, so for example, like the, the, the IP that they can recover, it might be like retro technology rather than cutting edge, bleeding edge stuff that they used to have at the turn of the century, say. Uh, oddly enough, uh, one of the things that I labeled in different technology was like corporate technology of where it's stuff that's kind of been developed or they own. So it's mm -hmm. good stuff to go back to those clans and whatnot that they're known for making this. It works. Retro, I also wanted it to be maybe retrofitted. So like, yeah, it's a microwave, but you know, if we kind of uh, tinker with it a bit, we can also make it into something that uh, will heat a house. Yeah, and I think that really dives into two parts of the original cyberpunk spirit of one where it's like the gig economy, right? Where you have to hustle constantly mm -hmm. because that's how it is. And it's like part of a DIY thing. And the other part that I really like about that concept is it's either bleeding edge or it's obsolete, right? Yeah. And that, like, yeah. that's the dichotomy between the two of them. And everyone's clamoring for the the bleeding edge but often they're like all right i'm gonna get last year's model and kind of retrofit and kind of jerry-rig whatever i can to make it work you know and that's again where the gig economy co thing comes in right and the could, diy could I, aspect of it could i insert one other thing on top of the drm that's very topical of nowadays sure. uh plan obsolescence has unfortunately caused failure for a lot of the things where it's just mm -hmm. like oh, we made this, but we actually didn't plan it to last that long. It was only supposed to last you six years. So uh, you got to buy a new one. And that's kind of why people have stagnated so much. Wait, wait a minute. Six years is a long time. I, mean, okay. <laughs> I, I know it's a long time, but I'm going yeah. for like even the best thing. I have certain things that yeah. I've owned for like a decade. Mm -hmm. Darn no, tough socks. Just, your Deadpool shirt doesn't count, Chris. Darn tough socks. Well, okay, like, yeah, darn tough socks are great. I'm not going to lie. It's like imagining, say you found a chip that's like, um, contains some Samsung, you know, washer and dryer, and you're like, fuck, that's going to last like a year. These are useless, you know, as opposed to, say, you oh. find something that's like a really good brand, you know? Yeah. Oh, I no, found no, a that, Hobart. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, it's not just a matter of like branding at, or finding the chits that are valuable because it's specific parts, mm -hmm. but it's also like the brand actually yeah, matters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is also a big part of cyberpunk as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, like anyone who's read Neuromancer knows that you don't go with like, you know, the Zen Dicos or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name. You don't go with the low. Dr. Thunder version. 
You want the right you know, kind of deck, you know, the right kind of brand of deck. Yeah. And then there's like, you don't get this specific type of eye, eye mod because it mm -hmm. blinds you within a couple of years without proper like maintenance and stuff like that. And it ties back into the concept that there being no one truth and that there's no one microwave. There's like a 700 different brands of microwave and you got to find the good one. Yes, absolutely. And, and yeah. I, I do love the idea that there's a, an inordinate amount of waste mm -hmm. as a result of this as well, because it's like, oh, we keep having to use the shitty technology. And, we and actually, yeah. And not only that, but that's also kind of indicative of how, you know, like modern culture kind of works now. Mm -hmm. Right. Like poor people are, are stay poor because yeah. they buy cheaper things that don't last as long right. rather than save up for things that will last way longer. Like richer people have the option to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love, I love your metaphor, like your, your, your concrete version of a metaphor for that is the sea of plastic that you're, that they're, that they're literally yes. surfing through now because that's the remnants yes. of the you know, past. And we haven't really learned from it. Nope. It's, it, because we can't. Now we're drowning it. <laughs> yes. Oh, can we also talk about the idea that the oceans are probably poisoned as well? Yes, that would be great. Like, oh, do you yeah. remember what was that cartoon, Dark Waters? That's what I'm thinking. Oh my god! cut. I I actually had that in mind. I'm like, yes. this is kind of sounding a little bit like a cyberpunk Dark Waters, and I'm kind of digging that. I like you know? it. Yeah. I have I have something tech wise I can add to that. Go ahead. Um, so like this, I think this falls right in the footsteps of what Chris was talking about, but you know, so if you have the IP on your hand in hand, right, you got this chip, well, how do you exploit it? Right. Like you, that means that we need to introduce technology that is central for them to use the IP. So I'm thinking I came up with two names. One's called the short maker and one's called the long maker. So a short maker is like a handheld device that instantly 3d prints with the proper, like, um, you know, maybe fuel cell, whatever's on the chip. So if I get a microwave chip, you know, I could put it in my short maker and then print the microwave. Now, if I got a long maker, this is maybe ones that there's only a few of them. Nobody knows how to really build them anymore. And so really rich people have them and they're called long makers and they're really big 3D printers. So you would put like, a, you know, a chip for like a tank and it prints the tank. And perhaps these, these devices, the long makers and short makers, you know, nobody has the chips to print these. Like that that's a long loss, but it's like a key technology people use to produce things. Ooh, uh, there is something that has used this term before. I think it's called uh, Arcotech. It's where oh. it's just like, archaeologically, we found this. Yeah, and we yeah. can't reproduce it, but this is a treasure. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like they're super rare, kind of like the decks, say, in, in, in Neuromancer. Like they're, they're highly desired. Yeah. Uh, just a side point, does anyone remember the name of the melons in Pirates of Dockwater? No. Not at all. Oh, it was the fucking monkey bird loved it. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember crazy. the monkey bird. I don't remember what he liked, though. Minga melons. Oh. He loved Minga melons. I can sleep soundly tonight. Why does that still sound like a slur coming from you? I don't, I don't <laughs> understand. Not, but Noisia Tut didn't? No, that sounded more like you're just annoyed and like kind of swearing. Minga melons sound like it's like, look at those Minga melons on that Mingo over there. And you're like, dude, oh you my God. Whoa, Minga. whoa, whoa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, Dark Water came up with it. We cannot be held liable. <laughs> Actually, maybe that's why it was canceled and we're just propagating. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
hey guys, did you know that in Southeast Asia, that's a very bad slur? They're like, crap, well, we gotta pull the show. Oh no, our seven listeners. <laughs> oh, I meant Dark Waters. We'll never pull this. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's true. We're still going on, yeah. Uh, all right, there's no good segue. So um, what, one thing that I did kind of want to, so, so for my aspect of technology that I wanted to talk about, is this idea of the algorithm and algorithmic data. Um, I liked the idea that we were talking about last week where a lot of it is DRM heavy and a lot of it is like AI is vaguely benevolent in the background, right? And one thing I did want to talk about is this idea that there are certain aspects of civilization now that are just automated through algorithmic data. And it's kind of running in the background and we kind of don't notice it anymore. You know, like, so for example, right, uh, you know, years ago, we've set the algorithm. So there's no such thing as meteorology anymore. The mm-hmm. technology that we have set up now recognizes when and how data or, or they recognize the data of how weather is going to happen and then sends out these storm chaser and storm fighters to like you know, patch the storm wall and make sure everything's safe and to make sure that certain people just don't get affected by weather anymore, you know, but it's like this intense thing that we, that most mainlanders just don't even see because it's all happening. It's all been automated. And I want this to be kind of like a neural web, a neural network where this happens, where there's all sorts of things that we don't know are being automated that are. It's like an it's like the ultimate it's ultimate result of like IoT technology like Internet of Things where we've lost the a sense of how that works anymore. So like you're saying with the weather, like all these systems are in place to take care of that stuff, but we don't have the programmers who understand the algorithm anymore, and we don't have the technology to recreate it. So it's this lost knowledge that seems benevolent almost to us. And right. if part of an area stops working, we have no idea why or how yes. or what to do. It's just like, oh, yeah, no, Georgia just destroyed by weather lately. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, that's yeah, happening. Now. That. Yeah, and there's and there's another aspect that I wanted to talk about as well, where these algorithms, you know, we, we all think about the algorithm as some kind of like an unbiased AI. Mm-hmm. However, we have to talk about the idea that AI was designed by people. Or, or algorithms were designed by people, right? So I, c- I can imagine that there are some very strange aspects in society that due to this automated algorithm is now severely fucked up or like very strange and twisted in certain aspects. And I'm sure that there are entire clans or parts of clans that are just warped by this algorithm that they don't even recognize it at some point. I mean, it, it, it's like what um, it's it's going taking the natural extension of what happens where if you had, for example, um, like police profiling and and technology behind that that is done on an automated fashion, and then you realize there were certain biases built into the profile. So it's like, okay, well, now what if you had some kind of algorithm, like you're saying, running that was taking care of something, and it's affected culture over like a hundred years? Like, how is it altered yes. practices and behaviors because we don't even realize the biases we built into it originally? Because because this area is used for farmland, they have programmed it to rain here and be this climate to grow this fruit. And what happens if you do that for 50 years? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we forget the whole reason why we did it. Yeah. I was actually thinking uh, closer to what Daniel had in mind, where it's like, I think Google put out this thing where 
it it was trying to recognize you know the facial features of famous or rich people or something <laughs> yeah. like that and because of poor programming and because of the information that it was fed it started to separate uh black people as like apes and gorillas and stuff like that yeah yeah and and that's the type of like really fucked up stuff that we don't even recognize a lot of the time when we're using the algorithms Mm -hmm. uh similarly i remember that um i think again i think it was google where they were feeding it information about these are the qualifiers of really great employees. <laughs> and then they were looking at the data and it's like, wait a minute, 99% of these are coming back as male. Mm-hmm. And they looked at the information that they fed them and they were all men. Like all of the yeah. good applicants were applied as men. And so when it was actually applied in the algorithm, you get this weird kind of glitch in the matrix type thing, which again, because we accept the algorithm as unbiased, you miss you this point. prophecies, basically. You know exactly. Yeah, or, or like biases that you weren't even aware of at the mm-hmm. time. Oh, it could, so it could also reveal truths that we didn't realize, like you're saying, like a bias for men. You know, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, wait a minute. There's a bias in big <laughs> tech towards males. What? <sighs> oh man. So, so anyway, th- that's that's my general concept. I do want to make sure that the algorithm is like seedily webbed throughout every aspect of the society. I think it's important that there are certain things that are automated mm-hmm. and work vaguely as intended. I do want there to be a somewhat sinister side as well. I think that's important. Well, it's interesting too, is it kind of goes back to, I think the original concept that underlay, underlies what what Chris was talking about with the DRM. So it kind of reminds me of um, what Chris was talking about um, with one of the intentions that was built into the DRM in the beginning, which was possibly, and we don't know if this is true or not, to help protect humanity in some way. Um, it was originally designed probably for corporate reasons in the sense that um, you know it's protecting IP, but something went wrong and then things broke down and we got part of this climate slash DRM apocalypse that, that we were talking about. Um, but when we have things like you know, algorithms um, built by humans that are still running, whatever's going on out in the wilds, that AI might be slightly different because it's been running independent of humans now. So we don't really know what its intentions are. So it might be benevolent, it might be totally neutral to us or totally hostile. But all we know is that the algorithms inside our society or the remnants of it left, like are still functioning as they were and slowly changing us. So you've got like this weird alien nature growing inside humanity and then the super alien nature outside of humanity. Damn, Daniel. That's uh, that's actually really fucking cool. Well, I'm just thinking about like our cyber pirates. Like they're literally fighting nature that we made in a sense. We made it like physically, right? Through screwing up our environment, but we also made the AI that's living out in it now. You know? Oh God. There, there's so much cool shit to be mined in that regard. Oh man. Oh, um, speaking about unsavory things, I do want to get into um, my wait. We're doing factions, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Speaking of um, unsavory types and everything, I do want to get into my faction yeah. uh, because I realized that we've never had like a um, an organized crime syndicate ever mm-hmm. in, in most of our things. I did want to add uh, some kind of organized crime. Which is basically in and of itself a clan, right? You look at how cyberpunk treats the Yakuza where they stop being, you know, like just an organized crime family or series of clans, whatever. 
and then they become an actual corporation. In this sense, this is basically the same thing, but they're way, way grosser. And I call them currently the meat market. Oh. And they're bio poachers for the really fabulously wealthy. Oh, okay, good. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> so they, uh, they hunt down the perfect specimen for the rich. If you need a specific shade of blue eye that's a 2020, they go out into the slums, they go out into the poorer parts of town, they hunt them down, and they take them and sell them to the rich, right? Because originally we were talking about the idea that, you know, um, the less mods that you have, the more, you know, the pure that you are, right? Yeah. And actually, I I wanted to dive deeper into that for for a little bit because... I came up with an extension and kind of a, an extrapolation of that thought wherein the less modded you are, the more obvious it is you come from wealth because for the most part, the average citizen is born into tremendous debt. Mm-hmm. And the only way that they can, you know, get out of that debt is to start selling off body parts. And so the poorer you are, the less organic you are because you're going to be giving away your hands your feet, your eyes, your teeth, your ears, your liver, etc., because you you fell into debt. What else can you do except sell your parts? And you know, that's just what happens. And oh so when you're oh man. Yeah, I, I was kind of it, it was somewhat reminiscent of Repo Man. It. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. I forgot yeah. about Repo Man. Yeah, Repo Man's pretty pretty cool and also kind of terrible. Oh yeah. you know <laughs> yeah yeah Bad good. sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you because i was just like okay i'm no. totally seeing what you're saying you know yeah well and, and that's kind of where i go back with the meat market right where these aren't the ones who do it legally and look for the people who are like hey i'm in debt and they're here to collect it's like no we're hunting for the primo shit mm-hmm. you know like these aren't people who necessarily are willing to part with it or are in such debt that they're, you know, willing to give those parts up, but they have clients, clients that are willing to pay. Oh, you don't want the money? That's fine. We'll take it anyway. And so there's this, yeah, there's this sinister organization of body harvesters that are just out there in the night and they're called the meat market and they're a clan. And I, (laughs) I, I didn't have that originally, but that's what it is now. I can add something extra horrible to that if you like. Let's do it. Let's 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 hear it, Daniel. Let me see if you want a big pup of Palpatine. This <laughs> yeah, I got I got a Palpatine. This. So like, I love that they're like taking people so they can be harvested. And it makes perfect sense. They're like headhunters for the best like body parts. What if there's like a subgroup inside of them that not only do they headhunt, but they capture either children or particular individuals, bring them into like compounds, breed them because they have a specific DNA that's great for producing more organs, and then sell those offspring to the rich people. To continue okay. like their own market inside that. Okay, Daniel. Uh, I kn- as soon as you started this, I knew where it was going. <laughs> yeah. It turned my stomach, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's where we're going with this." It's pretty horrible. <laughs> Be- yeah, because now you're taking a look at like literally feeding off of the poor mm-hmm. and like literally treating them as cattle, which is obviously yeah, of course. And, and they don't know the truth, and they don't have privacy already. So the fact that they might be captured, they could spin this like, "Oh, you've been chosen to live in this special happy compound where oh. we just breed you, and then your children are are hand selected to be given as body parts." Yeah, rich. actually, that that makes a lot more sense. That these that the meat market 
doesn't just go and like, Hey, we're hunting them down, like in a brutal fashion. It's like, mm -hmm. we're going to take you back and we're going to harvest you over and over oh, and God. over again. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's it's, it's intergenerational and you get into these like giant compounds where it's yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to leave that horrible shit. Yeah. That's absolutely what we're doing. Yeah. Great that's job. The parents are trying to reveal, yeah. right? Like stuff like that. Uh, I, honestly, I, I imagine that in some societies, they just take it as fact and they're like, yeah, yeah that's true. It, works. it might be status be, quo, you know? Yeah. Be, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I really appreciate is the fact that cynicism is treated as the enemy in mm -hmm. cyberpunk oftentimes, you know, where it's like, we should look at cynicism as an enemy to progress because that is what it is. You know, we can't just let things maintain because that, uh, when you let, when you let cynicism win, mm -hmm. you let the status quo win. You let the the machinery continue to grind gristle and bone. Yeah. And so we want to fight that as much as possible. And I like the idea that in, in this cyberpunk world, this is an evil to be fought against. And this is a cynicism to be fought against as well. Mm -hmm. That's at the core. Okay. Does anyone have something less depressing than that for their faction? Please. Please. Uh, mine isn't uh, too depressing. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so uh, my faction was pretty much just. By based the way, on this a... does obviously show that Daniel's is also depressing. So, <laughs> yeah. damn it! Go ahead, Chris. Lift uh, us up before Daniel drags us back down. I said it wasn't totally depressing. It's <laughs> only like marginally. Um, so mine was based on a love of Blade Runner, and what I wanted it to be was a faction known as the Duelist, and they are people who hunt down rogue AIs that have taken over people who have a lot of, uh, body modifications. And I think going back on the fact that, uh, the AI that we saw earlier, uh, had, like, the algorithm or anything, it's, I wanted it to be a, uh, a group that is kind of policing the AIs, trying to find out anyone that they have, uh, taken over, but originally I didn't have this going either uh, good or bad, but I think to spin on the fact that that was so depressing that maybe it should be good, and it's really just people being policing of them to try and figure out what their motives are. Because if the AI were to take over, there'd be no stopping them. I mean, if you want to spin it in a positive angle, like maybe this group, the duelists that are collecting these humans who have put it on too many mods and then like adopted a personality of maybe part of the algorithm, maybe they're like doing it to bring the um, AI into the physical world. Like maybe the AIs that wake up this way aren't really fully aware, like they lose their intention. And this group is like, okay, we got to get them together so we can together figure out what the algorithm is about and how they can help each other and, other, and everyone else. Uh, the other thing that I wanted them to be is kind of like the men in black. People don't even know that they exist. Going back to the fact that the algorithm isn't fully aware or known of, that people could be like, so why'd they take that guy? Just like, oh, I don't know. Uh, and then there's conspiracy nuts out there that are saying that X, Y, and Z is why it would happen. Yeah, they're the so you have these age these invisible agents of the algorithm. Mm -hmm. You know, like sometimes the algorithm has to forcibly correct something and then that's when they possess these overly which are obviously the poorer people in society and so they're even easier to be you know like less detected because they're looked at and be like oh you're less than human 
it's easier for them to kind of possess them because no one's paying attention to them in the first place. And then that's where your duels come in. Huh? Is it an uplift for, so like we have a downlift, right? With the people who get taken by the meat market, is it an uplift for the poor who have had these mods and they get taken by the algorithm? Like, are they given a new life to do a new purpose? Like, is it four plus, you know? No, because the, the organization that Chris is creating are people who are hunting down these agents of the algorithm. Oh, they're hunting the, Oh, they're hunting those, those people. Correct. Yeah. Oh, for, to, to destroy them or to. Just because what if you had, if you have 10 people who are taken over by this AI, that's not so much of a problem. But then if you have 10,000, suddenly yeah. it's like, how do we control this? It's grown out of control. So they try and uh, shut it down. Before, it's, it's, wait, it's the reverse agents from the Matrix. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's uh-huh. absolutely what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Turing police is basically what they are, apart from Neuromancer. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. But they're that's, not like, that... they're not like trying to stop like uh, AI awareness because AIs already exist. They're trying to stop AIs from manifesting, really. Well, I think if people knew that it could exist in the physical world, that's where they would start to get like More nervous or queasy. Uh, queasy. Yeah. I, I like this idea that the the duelists themselves are not are essentially neutral right like you mentioned that previously and all they're trying to do is figure out why and how this is happening like i like the idea that there's such a general level of ignorance that all these all these folks are trying to do is just figure it out like what the fuck's going on right yeah i like that too they're kind of like a a clueless cia almost like they don't have everything under control (laughs) cool all right um, and Daniel, for our final faction of the night or, or day, or whenever you're listening to this, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so I, I was thinking a little bit of like sort of eco-punk cause we got the whole really cool environment going on now, which would make them work a little bit more too. Um, I gave them a name, um, which comes from the old Norse word for dwarf. So they're called the Doomverger, um, and they're not dwarves, so don't worry. <laughs> um, but they are people who are kind of like apocalypse preppers who live under this underground metropolis um, that's powered by like geothermal energy. And um, the way they 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 work is that they've been collecting information about the apocalypse itself and um, the, and the world before it. Um, and a lot of this information is encrypted because of all the DRM that happened. So their society has kind of evolved into a sort of religious apocalypse cult. Um, and they like are regarded by the, the world above as um, they call them like maggots or like as, as weird, um, you know, culty people. But they're really like um, uh, eco-conscious in the sense that what they believe is trying to restore the environment to the way it was before, possibly by understanding the apocalypse itself. Um, so I picture them like wearing a lot of gear and stuff that's like radiation absorbing and like EM shielding so they can go out into the wilds and of the oceans and like collect whatever information they can, but they're, they're pretty survivalist. So they keep to themselves and they like hide underneath these, these like steam holes. So like you see steam coming out from their geothermal vents. So then you know, like, okay, well that's like a doom burger camp. We can't really go there because they might be dangerous, but they're actually not bad people. All right. So where's the depressing bit? Maybe they're not depressing. I mean, maybe, do you I hate thought, maybe they're not. Maybe they're the hopeful bit. I'm, I was going to say, these don't sound, these sound hopeful. These sound like they're yeah. the closest thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're trying to solve the problem, but people think that they're like scary and not to be approached. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. Um, yeah, I, I think that'll just about wrap it up for this episode. What do you think, guys? I wouldn't play in this world already. Get on some yeah. boats and fight some robots. Some robots. I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, so I'm down with I, this. I do have one other question. Would yeah. the cyber pirate still have an eye patch, or would it just be a, a very fancy like eye og? Okay. Yeah. I, I have a good. I have a good compromise. Mm-hmm. It will be um, so. There's there's a pretty um, there's a pretty prevalent theme, or not? Th- no. There's kind of a there's kind of like a totemic image for cyberpunk, and it's that of like the mirrored sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, you can have one eye that is a constant mirrored sunglass. You know, like <laughs> so. It, again, we keep referencing Neuromancer, but yeah. if you'll remember, Molly Millions always has mirrored sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. Just like remove, yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what it is here. It's just one constant mirrored sunglass eye, and that's it. And that's what we're do- that's what we're doing. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right. I think we're gonna call it there, and we will pick it back up for part three, our final part in our short jaunt into the land of a thousand mods. Remember that if you want to submit a prompt that we can kind of explore on our own, please go ahead and send it in to worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. Or you can send us a Twitter over at the tweet machines at let's world build. And we'll get back to you either way. So I am Rob Hilferty. I've been here with Chris Prunty and Daniel Quinn. Remember that we love you very much and we will see you next week. Be safe.